Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. So Sherry, today we have my good friend, Kristen Furpo on, who I just love and adore. And for those of you who are listening, which is everybody, since you can't see, Kristen is here with her big, gorgeous, beautiful smile and her fabulous mane of hair. So much hair that was hilarious. Just a moment ago, I said to Kristen, oh, do you want to put earphones on? And she's like, they are on, but it was being hidden by her beautiful hair. Sherry, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have Kristen on is she's part of my Women's Divinity Circle, which I haven't really talked about much, I don't think, on the podcast yet. But it's a group of women that gets together monthly and we just share what's going on in our lives, do a little woo-woo stuff, little chanting to the goddesses and whoever knows what comes in after that. But Kristen joined us a God, a few years ago now. And I just, from the moment she joined, I'm like, this chick is awesome. I just love her so, 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 so much. She's a dear, dear friend. Well, and I have heard you talk about her so many times. So I'm super excited to have the chance to meet her today. Yay. And for everybody else to meet her too. Part of the reason we think she's so cool is that Kristen marries sort of I don't know, maybe we call it Eastern and Western in that she's both a holistic practitioner and an international innovation consultant to Fortune 100 companies, which sounds very, very fancy. We want to hear a little bit more about that. But she's also a newly minted sailor, which is super fun. And she has a brand new sound healing album out that was just released at the end of January. So I just couldn't be more thrilled to have you here, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I just want to start off every morning with both of you. These kudos like feel awesome. I'm like, just bring it on, sisters. This is great. Awesome. Well, we'll be here tomorrow. You could just jump right on. And- <laughs> like maybe we'll just start a morning show. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Kristen, there's just so much richness in your life and your journey that you've been on. So we're just going to start with a very big, wide open question. And we'd really love to hear just about that journey and maybe some of the aha moments along the way and what really led you to where you are now. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. My journey has been, it has definitely been blended. And I I, I think you said it right, it was kind of Eastern and Western. I started off as, you know, typical business person. I started off in the world of HR. Yay, go HR. We're not all terrible, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're super fun. Oh, believe me, we had a lot of fun back in those days. (laughs) I was in there, you know, for about six to eight years. And then I went to a big consulting company and was a change management consultant. And then I helped build their innovation practice. So I did kind of the the typical corporate America work, right, that I thought I should be doing. I was also Mm -hmm. running triathlons and marathons and living on Starbucks and red wine and, you know, just (laughs) thought I was living the dream until one day my body was like, you know, working this much and this much stress isn't. I'm not taking it anymore. I was diagnosed with lupus. Mm. So I started working with a holistic healer and she really helped me see the value of getting eight hours of sleep, of speaking the truth Mm. and making some subtle shifts in my life. I didn't need to give up everything. I needed to start to look at the truth and I needed to start to manage the inside of me first. What was I putting inside? What was I thinking inside? And then that had a direct impact on the external world. And so that was a big aha. It was actually a gift to be, to to get sick Mm. because the sickness helped me change my life. 
And after working for this big consulting company, I decided to take a little bit of time off. I had my own business, so I could do that. I went to Thailand for one month. And I thought, this was in 2015, and maybe you, you'll get this. I thought, wow, I'm taking a full month off, like two <laughs> months off. Woo! I thought, this is crazy, right? And I go to Thailand, and there's all these Europeans that are taking like six months and a year off. And they're like, why are you only taking a month off? And I'm like, I'm taking a month off. This is a huge. So that one month turned into three months. Wow. And it went from one country to six countries. And I decided to come home with my own business and power through the rest of the year and take a full year off and do it properly. Because I saw everyone else really taking time off to get deep into other cultures, to experience other cultures without having to adopt them, to learn. Mm. I thought, how amazing. And so here I am at this time, I was 43, 44 years old, taking a year off. And I thought, amazing, I bought this one-way ticket to India and I had no plan, which, which I love to travel that way in many ways. But that was one of the hardest years of my life. Mm. And what I realized was as much as my soul wanted to go and travel, I have no regrets, I'm glad I did it. I was in India, South Africa. I ended up living in Bali for over a year. So my one year turned into two and a half years. What I realized in that time period was no matter how beautiful the beach or the sunset, and believe me, in Bali, in India, and in South Africa, the safaris, no matter how beautiful the external is, if I'm not happy inside, it doesn't matter how beautiful the outside is. Wow. And I found myself on these beaches with the most gorgeous sunsets, looking at other couples, just like wanting to just crying. Like, why am I still alone? I'm in my 40s. Shouldn't I be putting money in my 401k and investing? And here I am with, here I am with a backpack and a bunch of 20-year-olds. You know, yeah. it wasn't like I didn't want to be there. It just, it just felt so odd compared to what I felt like I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just pause you right there because this idea of should now has come up a couple times already in the first couple of minutes here, right? And so... How has this idea of should shown up in your life? And what have you done to kind of try to move away from some of the shoulds? It was what the environment in which I lived in did to me to help me move away from the shoulds. So mm. living in the Himalayas for three months, living in Bali for over a year. In the eastern part of the world, they value the non-physical just as much, if not more than the physical. They believe in gods and deities. They believe in something bigger than themselves. So they make time for ceremonies. They make time for rituals. Usually they put themselves above the work that needs to be done. Yeah. And so by living in the Eastern part of the world for over two years, I learned to do that. Mm. And there were times, I remember this one time in Bali, I was on my scooter and I had to get back. I did some, I still had my own business. So I did some coaching and I did some of my own work from Bali for clients in America. And I remember I needed to get back for a call and I turned down this one little side street and they were, ha the village was having a ceremony. So it was blocked mm. and it was blocked for like two hours. And I was irate. I was like, this is ridiculous. It's the middle of the business day. I need to get to my meeting, blah, 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 blah. And here they are, you know, this very humble village, not worried about whether or not the stores were going to sell to the tourists. They were focused on what mattered to them inside the most. They were focused on something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And as I sat there, I couldn't make this meeting. And right. I, the internet wasn't the greatest. So I couldn't pull out my cell phone. I did. I tried and I had no connection. And it's like, what do you do in that moment where you have no connection? Yeah. And you're so frustrated. And it taught me I need to stop chasing after everything. And I just need to focus on 
what do I need inside first? Right. Oh, I love that. And so the, sh- the shoulds were almost kind of forced away because of the environment that I was in. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. I'm hearing also, you're not using the word, but I'm hearing so much surrender in that mm. moment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what I, as I sat there at that moment on that scooter, and, and I, I have a Balinese family. I love the Balinese culture. I, I, I go there every year. It's very near and dear to my heart. And as I sat there on that scooter looking around, I was so humbled by their, their just genuine connection to something bigger than themselves. And I took my bike kind of to the side of the street and I got off and I joined them in their ceremony. And there was this moment of like, it's the world is going to be okay. Your client is going to move on. And you might even have a great story to share with your client <laughs> from this. And I'm not saying, you know, you intentionally miss meetings and stuff, but sometimes when these things happen, they happen because there's a good lesson. And that changed so much of how I start to live my life. Well, I love that because what you started with was like, I was pissed. I was frustrated. I was trying to solve it with my, you know, with my very kind of Western way of thinking about, I got up my cell phone. I was pissed with, you know, the internet. And yet there's something that happened in that moment and the way you met that moment. I really do love the word you use, Sherry, about surrender because there were there's something in that moment that happened that ended up being a transition so that you moved the bike over to the side and then you yeah. joined in. I mean, do you think that was conscious? Because so many of us find ourselves sometimes in those moments of frustration and like, ah, the world is not going the way I want it to. And mm-hmm. sometimes we let that. Yeah you know, hurt us? It's a great question. And I remember saying to myself, I give up because as I sat on the bike, I was trying, you're right. I was using my rational mind. I'm like, how many different ways can I get myself out of the situation and correct it and fix it? Everything I tried wasn't working. And I just sat there and there's this moment where I just like wanted to scream. And I just took a deep breath and I was like, a few, you know, bad word, (laughs) (laughs) insert bad word. And then I was like, I give up. And as soon as I said, I give up, all of a sudden, everything I was looking at became beautiful. Uh, And I was like, look at the flowers, look at the way everyone's dressed. And then I started feeling them. And then I started seeing their huge smiles. And then I was like, what is it they're doing? Oh, wow. Why are they doing it? Right. Oh, wow. What does this mean to them? What does this mean to the land? What does this mean to their life? Oh, wow. What can I, and again, like my, what I love about life, but especially travel is we can experience cultures without having to adopt them. And so there's so much of the Balinese culture I have adopted and integrated into my life, Hmm. but that wasn't the point. The point was to have this experience and see what it spoke and evoked inside of me. And what it spoke and evoked inside of me was I need to stop rushing. And it was actually the same thing. The first holistic healer I worked with taught me when I was diagnosed with lupus. She's like, do you see patterns in your life where you're doing the same thing? You're just changing the environment, putting on new clothes and doing the exact same thing. Wow. And so by living in the the Eastern part of the world, that environment changed me. And I had this moment where I was like, I can do business differently because there was a part of me that wanted to stay there. And there's a part of me that actually loves living over here. Yeah. Like there's, there's beauty in both. And I thought, what if I could go back and do it differently? What if at some point I returned to the States and can I live differently? Can I incorporate these things that I've learned and not self-sacrifice? Because I think there's beauty in everything. There's beauty in wanting to climb the corporate ladder. There's beauty in wanting to get a promotion. There's beauty in wanting to have work-life balance or, you know, whatever it is, but can I do it without 
self-sacrifice? Mm. Can I do it without hurting myself? And I believe the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, I actually think that's the only way to do it. One of the things I love about what you are saying is there's this very strong sense of this push and pull between structure and flexibility Mm. or structure and fluidity. There is this moment where you were so focused on structure, right? I have to be on the phone at this time. I have to get to this place. And, and it is the way most of us live in, we have commitments, we honor our commitments, right? We do things when we say we're going to do them. But this moment where it's pushing a boulder up a hill and it is clearly not going to happen. And it's, it was just this movement to release, surrender, but also this recognition of everything doesn't have to be so rigid is what I really hear you saying. Absolutely. Rigid and, and I think reactive. Mm. So when I was living in the Himalayas, I was, I was at an ashram and this, this woman stood up and we were talking about this program we are going through. And she said, I've realized through this program, there can be freedom and structure. Ooh. And then what also followed that was it's not only freedom and structure, it's conscious structure. It's conscious freedom and structure. And the takeaway that I took from that is, so to your point, Sherry, we need structure in life. Mm-hmm. But are we mindful about the structure we're doing? Are we just falling into it by default and going with the flow, right? And are we creating an unrealistic structure, which is a lot of what I was doing in Bali. I was trying to live on two different time zones. I was trying to do it all. Hmm. And it's like, wait, take a step back. And first of all, what can I handle? What can Kristen handle at this moment? What can I create today Hmm. based on where I'm living and the conditions and what's going on? And then now let's put a process in place that will support me to do that versus being like, no, I've got to check the box. I've got to do all these things because society tells me here's the shoulds, here's this and that, right? Versus forget the shoulds and stop and think, what do I need first? What is possible in this moment here? And let's meet the two together. What well, structure that serves you versus structure that constrains you. Exactly. But I think for me, what I had to learn was... I had to learn to figure out what structure served me. And I think so much of my life, not by anyone's fault, it's just a lot of the system we have brought up in, especially in the Western part of the world, we get a job or we get into relationships and we just fall into systems without ever stopping to say, does this work for me or does this work for me now? Because the system we had 10 years ago might've served the purpose 10 years ago, but it might not now. What we, the system we had pre-COVID and pandemic might've worked, but might not now, even one year ago. I'm seeing my own systems need to change, but I need to have the courage to also look inside, understand what that new system is, and then start to make the changes and speak up about it. Yes. And that has all been a process in and of itself, because who am I to speak up and say something against another system that that can feel very inferior and scary? Right. right? And will my system be accepted? And then what if I fail and it doesn't work? And again, all those things that come into your mind, whereas in the Eastern part of the world, it just was so much more about being where you are, mm. accepting where you are, learning and moving on. Yes. I mean, it's that it was it's really that simple. Right. You know, I'm going to ask you what's maybe an impossible question, but I'm, you know, you had this amazing experience two and a half years traveling around the world and you learned all these great lessons, which you're sharing now. So thank you so much for your wisdom that you're sharing with our listeners. But I'm curious if, you know, somebody doesn't have that opportunity to go travel around the world, 
what do you think they can do to start to build some of these same tools or learn some of these same lessons that you got by some of those amazing experiences of spending so much time in the East? That's a great question. And I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people think travel's the answer. Mm. It's not. The eat, pray, love effect. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Right. And people think travel's the answer or they need to travel a certain way. I need to let go of everything and buy a one-way ticket somewhere. Oh my God, no. No, that's not for everyone. I think what I would say to your question, which is a a great question, Anne, is you first have to just start and do some self-reflecting and either do that on your own or do that with someone you trust. Yeah. Someone you trust could be completely external that you don't know because they're bringing an unbiased opinion or it could be a best friend. But sit and just kind of take stock and ask yourself, like, so what's working for me and what's not? And don't try and solve it. Just ask the question. Yes. Because we need to first identify what is working for me and what's not. I'm actually asking myself that a lot this year. Mm. What's shifting because of the pandemic? How are things changing, right? What is needing? So what's working for me? What's not? And then before you solve, just get that out there and then take some space with just being with that so that you can see it. Yes. Well, and I just want to jump in for a sec because what you're saying is so important. I'm going to guess that many, many of our listeners are very oriented to solving the problem. And mm. not that I've ever dealt with that myself. And, and I know not you, not you either, but we tend to be very oriented to identify a problem, solve a problem. And I love what you're saying, which is no, sit with the noticing, sit with the identifying, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And then you can start to reflect on what needs to shift. What do I want to shift? Right. But don't go to problem solving so fast. I love how you reflected that back, Sherry. And you actually might not even need to solve it. I believe that there is a time to open up the basement door and go deep. And I believe there's a time to just create a new system. Mm -hmm. And so I love how you reflected that back. Sit, unpack, reflect, right? See what is working, see what is not. Be with that for a few moments, a few days. And then I love how you just said that. And then see what needs to shift. If you need to dive deeper because it's a repetitive pattern, that's when you want to open up the basement door and work with a professional and go deep. But it might just be like, ah, this just kind of isn't working. I need to make some subtle shifts, right? Or I need to make some changes. And they could be internal changes with simple daily rituals. I'm a very, very, very big believer in if it's two minutes or five minutes in the morning or 15 minutes. Two minutes can be just as powerful as 15 minutes in the morning. Tune into yourself. How am I waking up this morning? Mm. What is my day like? And having a morning ritual, which I'm a huge fan of. I do a ton of morning rituals. I also believe having an evening ritual is important. Can you give us just some of those examples, just so that it's really clear for somebody that may not be familiar with this idea of what a ritual is? So when yes. you talk about a two-minute or a five-minute, you do a lot of morning or evening rituals. What does, that, what does that look like to you? A morning ritual would be when you get up in the morning before you talk to anyone. Mm. Maybe you just say hello to your family. Take some space for yourself. So if you've got kids running around the house and it's loud, ask for two minutes of privacy, go in the bathroom, sit on the toilet. I'm not kidding. And try and just have some, maybe put on headphones and try and just take two minutes for yourself and just ask yourself, how did I wake up today? Mm. How am I doing? What is the one thing I need today to help me? Just doing that for two minutes is incredibly powerful. If you've got a little bit more time, go into a room, sit down and try and meditate. Guided meditations are beautiful. I I meet so many people who say, I don't know how to meditate. Beautiful. Meditation is a lifetime practice. 
I've met monks all around the world and I've never met a monk that says I've mastered meditation and I got it down. <laughs> they all say it's a practice. So if a monk says it's a practice, it's a practice probably for you and me. And what I would say is there's beautiful guided meditations that you can sit and listen to for a morning ritual. There's great inspirational YouTube talks, mm. Will Smith, Denzel Washington, or a variety of different people. Sit down in the morning for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes and connect yourself. And if you need a little bit of help, you could go to the YouTube, you could listen to some guided meditations. And eventually you want to get to yourself where you could sit for five minutes, 10 minutes in silence. That's kind of your goal. So you can just sit. And then in the silence, allow your worries, your monkey mind to go. Don't, don't tell it to go away. Let it be there. It's okay. Sort of like just noticing that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you, if you allow it to be there, I promise it will softly start to go away. Yeah. Over a few days. I had a teacher once that her practice suggestion for me was, it's so helpful. We would be in a meditation and then she would say, pause and notice what thought are you having? And then she'd say, take a Polaroid picture of it and let it just put that aside. And for me, that's so helpful because sometimes it's like something I want to solve or something I'm trying to figure out or something. And so she's like, just put take that picture of it and move it to the side. And so I love what you're saying about it being a practice, it's not just something, I mean, just like anything else, you don't run a marathon on day one, right? You don't master playing the piano on day one. It is a day by day, step by step, building kind of the muscle. In this case, what we're talking about is really meditation and some self-reflection. But even taking that time for ourselves is a practice. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And the time, the structure of the time, here's the freedom in the structure. The, the structure of five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the morning is more important than what you do. Because you're creating that muscle because there might be some mornings you get up and you're like, you know what, Kristen, it's a beautiful morning. I don't know if I want to sit in my dark room. Oh my gosh, go for a walk. Let the nature speak to you. Yeah. What you're doing is you're, you're telling the world I'm important. I'm going to take time for myself today. Here's most importantly, you're going to set the vibrational tone for the day because you're going to sit there with yourself and you're going to be like, I didn't sleep well. I'm in a bad mood. Okay. What do I need? I need some more space in my calendar. Okay. Can you move a meeting? Can you make sure you have time for lunch? Or I'm in a fabulous mood. I want to get creative today. Great. What is it you need to do? So you're creating your day. You're not living by default, right? And so this is this is what they do in the Eastern world. This is why they start with these daily rituals. It's like, let me tune into me first. And then I create the tone and the energy for the day. And every day you practice. So if you've got that time carved out, that's the most important. And then you practice working with different tools and techniques that work for you within that structured 10 to 15 minutes in the morning or the evening that you have. I love that. I want to jump in and talk a little bit more about practice because I I love the way you're talking about it, that sometimes practice is for the purpose of improving something, right? So I think back to my long ago days of taking piano lessons and you practiced so you could get good at playing a piece. But what you're really talking about and what I think is so powerful is practice for the sake of practice. You're not practicing necessarily to get anywhere, right? You're not practicing. There's not like a goal you're working towards. It is literally the whole point is the practice. Mm. Exactly. The practice is the practice and it's the practice of tuning in and trusting you first before the rest of the world. Mm. I don't know if many of us are taught that when we come out of the womb. It's like, how are we helping each other? How are we serving each other? What do we do? You know, no, learn to trust yourself. That is a lifetime practice. Right. And so, yes, it's a, it's called practice for a reason. Right. Right. Because there is no there. 
There is no there. Wellness is not a destination. You don't get to a place and like, okay, I'm well today. My systems are all running <laughs> check, perfect. Check that box. <laughs> I'm done for the next year. You know, I'll revisit it next New Year's. Like, no, there's, there's never really a destination. Yeah, I love that. But learning to trust ourselves and look to ourselves first before anyone else in the world, I personally think is the most powerful practice we could learn to do in this entire life. Oh, that's big. So on the note of trusting yourself, you know, you could have just stayed on the road forever and continued to travel. But there's something that compelled you to come back to the States. Mm-hmm. And when you did come back, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you that's when you really tried to start melding a little bit more of the Eastern and the Western. And so I'd love to hear about that part of your journey and how did you decide when was the right time to come back? And now that you're back and you call yourself, you know, both sort of this mm-hmm innovation consultant and a holistic healer. Talk to us a little bit about that because that's, I mean, that combination is fantastic. Absolutely. I came back. I didn't think I would take a full-time job. I have a full-time job with a great Swedish-based consulting company right now. And I also have my private practice of holistic healing. And when I came back, I thought I'm never working in corporate America. <laughs> right? Like Good and bad, right and wrong polarities. So no, I'm not. I can't do that. I've got this Eastern philosophy now. I'm going to live, you know, total in harmony every day of my life. And no, that was another <laughs> rule, belief system I love to tease myself about. And so when I came back, I found this company and I was going to do some project work with them. And I ended up getting a full-time job with them. And I love it because that is the practice. So you asked me when and why did I come back when I did. I love where I lived. And I think I will go back and live there at some other point in my life. But what I realized when I was over there is I had friends come and visit. I was actually hosting a retreat and I had people I'd worked with at my previous job. I had your soul sister come and visit. And I just saw that the way they were living and talking. And I was like, I kind of want to be back in the action. Like, yeah. I don't want to live away from my family and friends. And I don't want to live away from the amazing opportunities we have in the world to make and create. And you know what? Here in America, we have amazing opportunities. There's good and bad and right and wrong everywhere, but we can get pretty much anything we want Mm. for the most part. And when you live in a developing country, you can't always get that. So you realize what a gift that is. So I decided to come back and then I ended up getting this full-time job, which was phenomenal. And then I ended up traveling for them. And so that's when my practice really hit home for me because in 2019, I went to 26 countries in 24 months doing innovation work. So I was meeting with clients, helping them think differently. And you know what I realized was I need my tools now more than ever. Yeah. And so I learned about something called sound healing when I lived in Bali. And I create these tones and frequencies through my sound healing work. I use crystal bowls, Tibetan singing bowls, gongs. And I started creating music for myself that would help me calm down and relax. Because if you're Mm. on a long plane and flight, and then you land in another country and you either need to go to sleep right away or you need to start working, you need to calm down your nervous system. You need to slow down your heart rate. And music works really well. Music instantly, the frequencies instantly come in, infused with our cells and our, our tissues and our brain waves and our nervous systems. It can make a difference in a matter of seconds. So I created this music to help me keep up with that pace. And so that's how I've started marrying both of them. And then I realized as I was living a, a consultant life, which is hectic and busy, you see yep. my pattern? Yep. <laughs> my pattern? My <laughs> yep, pattern? yep, yep, there right? it is. As I was seeing this pattern pick up, I realized, 
okay, I need my morning ritual. I need to look at my schedule after I meditate and say, what's going to work for me today? What's not, or what do I need to prepare myself for today? Cause I'm going to miss lunch or what do I, what do I need? And then every day I'm learning what works, what doesn't, what works for my clients, what, how can we come together and work together? Because I can't control how my meetings are going to go. And I can't control what the external world's going to do and what my clients are going to do. But what I can manage and control is the energy I bring into a meeting mm. is the attitude and mindset I bring in and how I take care of myself. And if I take care of myself, I have the energy to manage and take care of my schedule and other people. And so I've been practicing this and it works really well. And when I say it works really well, I mean, I feel like I'm able to work for a great company, enjoy the work that I do, and also have this side business where I'm helping other people live their life without self-sacrifice. And I want to emphasize, it's not like I've got it perfectly down. There are days where I'm down. What? And, Ed, you and I have worked together. You've seen me. And there's you know, days where I'm sure you're like, you want to go for a walk, Christine? <laughs> and you know what? Yes, I do. And that's it. It's a practice. Because we're going to be in all these different environments all the time. So how do we learn to respond, not react? Mm. And then how do we learn to be okay with what is? Yes, I love that. And then are we having fun and enjoying what we're doing? Because fun is a very big part of life. And you know what? In the Eastern part of the world, and I, I'm kind of stereotyping when I say the Eastern part of the world, but I think you you know what I mean. When I, yeah. when I was in these countries, they have fun. Yeah. I don't know any other country that has more celebrations than India. I think they have ceremonies and rituals just to party. <laughs> they have amazing ceremonies and rituals. And what's interesting is all these ceremonies and rituals in Bali, South Africa, everywhere I was, they are fun. People are laughing. They're having a good time. And you know what? They're not the most expensive ones. They're not in the biggest mansions. Yeah. They're everywhere. But people are having the time of their life. And isn't that what life's about? 100%. Yes. Yes. You know, one of the things you're talking about, Kristen, is that our deepest muscle memory is in our most ingrained patterns. And I know this is true for me, is we have these practices and they work really well and we're constantly giving ourselves this, it's like a virtuous cycle, right? When I do my grounding in the morning, my day goes so much better. And yet when certain circumstances happen, it, they're different depending on what any of us are triggered by. It's when you said like, and then I'm like, hectic, 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 notice my pattern. These practices can just fall away, right? Because we have such deep muscle memory around these ingrained habits. And to me, the practice, it's almost like it's the overarching practice is to notice when your practices are starting to fall away, right? Mm -hmm. And to have that moment of, wait a minute, my life works so much better when I have these practices intact, but to also give all of us, give ourselves grace that those practices will never be as deeply ingrained as the habits we have had for most of our life. Yes. There's a variety of different types of alternative methods you could do to help remove some of the old imprints and energy patterns. So there, there's work that you can do to remove that. But Sherry, to your point, if we start practicing a new system, the new system will take over. So we are going to have those days. I, I have those days all the time where I get up and I didn't have time to dedicate what I needed to to my morning practice or my day is just off. Those are going to happen. But two things happen. Number one, because I've been practicing a new way, I've changed. I'm responding differently. In the past, I might have gotten upset and thrown a temper tantrum, right? Just like I did on the bike in Bali. But now I'm like, oh, okay, this doesn't feel good. 
And so to your point, I'm recognizing it. What can I do differently? So the new system will start to take over the more that you practice. That's what we need to realize. And then the second thing is, as you practice this, you also just realize it's okay. Not every day has to be better than the day before. Right. 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 Can I be okay with where I am and know that I'm okay? You're speaking to, you know, again, a somewhat Western, and I'm generalizing as well, but a somewhat Western philosophy of always having forward progress. Right. And part of what I'm hearing you say is, no, like the growth actually happens and that sometimes it is two steps forward and then sometimes it's three steps back and just getting right back into building those muscles and those practices that are really serving you. Because when you take this time to step back, you get back into your alignment and then you will attract what you need. So what might feel like two or three steps backwards, if you get back to what you need and clarity on who you are, your center, your alignment then you will actually speed up yeah, further than you were before. Yeah. So what we want to be paying attention to is when do I feel that discord? When do things feel really, really off? When do I feel like I'm not being my best self? Yeah. When do I feel like I've lost control? Oh, stop, pause to your point. Let me get back into my own realignment. Let me get back to myself. Oh, okay, let me propel forward now because when you're clear about what you want, it will come to you. Even being clear about not knowing what you want is clarity. Yes. Because you're not spinning your wheels trying to fight something. You're not spinning your wheels trying to be like, why isn't there cell phone reception right now? Be okay with it. Right. Well, and I think the other thing that happens is the old way of being is what now feels uncomfortable. Exactly. Yes. Right? So it's not that you might not slip back into it, but that's now what feels uncomfortable. And that's what the practice does. Well, I love how so much of this is really just going exactly back to where you started with a lot of this conversation, Kristen, about really paying attention on purpose to what's true and happening for us in the moment, right? And just tuning into that and not just being asleep and kind of doing the same thing unconsciously over and over again, but really bringing consciousness to this part of our journey. And to your point, sometimes it's forward and sometimes it's backwards, but that's why it's sort of the imperfect journey. Exactly. You know, I would love to hear a little bit more about your sound healing and how you think this plays into your clients and your own development in terms of grounding yourself into what you really want or paying attention. So how how does sound healing come into all of these practices that you're talking about? Sound healing is a beautiful distractor Mm. and it goes in it physically and energetically works with your system to help you. So the first thing it does is it stops you from worrying and stressing. Mm. And then secondly, it actually goes in and it does physically work on your body. So sound creates a vibration. Just like if you've ever stood next to a big speaker, you literally can physically feel the vibration of it, right? Or even next to a car sometimes that has really loud music, right? So that's actually what's happening inside your body. We're mostly water. The vibration of sound moves faster through water than any other matter. So if we're mostly water and you're listening to music, that has an emotional impact on you because those vibrations are going through your body. We've done it our whole lives. We're listening to the car radio and a song comes on from our childhood and suddenly we're in a melancholy state (laughs) or we're sad, right? It it happens instantly. That's very similar to sound healing, except sound healers use instruments that have specific tuning and they use it with specific intent to go in and help the body get to a specific state to calm down and relax, or maybe it's to remove stagnant energy and help re-energize. And so I use crystal bowls, Tibetan bowls. I use the music to first help me stop the external world and go in. Yeah. And then it helps me physically 
start to tune in because the mind and body are completely connected. Right. Your mind creates knots in your body and the knots in your bodies impact your mind. Mm. So the sound helps on both levels. And then as I sit and I listen to my sound healing, it does a couple of things. It either helps me just relax and let go of the stress, which means I relax and let go of the resistance. And then suddenly I feel better. And then suddenly I start to feel a little bit more clarity. Yeah. It can also help me go to sleep, which is a big thing. This new album is dedicated to sleep. So this new album is called Sunset to Sunrise, and it's an actual evening ritual album. So the first two tracks are meant to help you unwind and release the day. They're a little bit more meditative. And then the next two tracks are meant to help you fall asleep. And then if you wake up in the middle of the night, go back to sleep, because that's a very slow harmonic tune you want to hear. And then I put a fifth track on there that gently helps you wake up in the morning. And what I've learned from my experience is when I am done with work at the end of the day, I really, really have to not eat two to three hours before I'm going to go to sleep. As hard as it is for me, I've got to put away the crown and Netflix and I need to not watch TV because I get energized. I can fall asleep, but then I wake up and I, it's hard for me to go back to sleep. And so I need to have something that calms me down in the middle of the night, right before I'm about to go to sleep as a ritual, yeah. bath, shower, music, candles, maybe super light reading. But the music just helps me get into this daydreamy mode. It helps me let go of the day. It helps me appreciate. I think a lot about gratitude and things that I'm in appreciation of. Mm. And what I've learned is the state in which you go to sleep is the state in which you wake up. Mm. So think about how you're going to sleep at night, what you're letting go of, because you don't want that two o'clock meeting to come into your dreams in the middle of the night. Mm. And if you don't let go of it, it will. Right. Kristen, one other thing I know about this album is that you actually had a different name for it at first or a different name you were thinking about. Can you share that and that story with us? Absolutely. So the name I had, it, it will come out in a, a new release called Sleep Till the End. When I was I don't know, probably seven or eight years old, I went to my dad's house to sleep. My parents were divorced. And my mom had said to my dad, Kristen's waking up super early in the morning. It's like on weekends, like try to get her to sleep in a little bit more. So of course, Saturday morning comes and I have no idea what time it was I woke up. And my dad's like, Kristen, you know, go back to sleep. We're, we're still sleeping. And I looked at him and I said, but daddy, I slept till the end. And so it's been the same throughout our whole life, like sleep till the end. And so I will have a track. Maybe it's an album, maybe it's a track that will be coming out. But talk about surrendering, Sherry. I wanted this album to be that. And for a variety of reasons, it wasn't. And what the music and the tracks that I recorded told me was you need to have some that are going to help people unwind from the day. Because the first two tracks, I personally would not actually want to listen to in the middle of the night because they're a little bit more high vibe because you're in a high vibe at the end of the workday. So the first two tracks help you unwind and then the next two tracks are really slow vibes so that will help your brainwave stay in that deep delta brainwave to go to sleep. And so I had to surrender this year and be like, okay, what is this music telling me mm. it needs to be and wants to be? And I was like, oh, there's a need for both. Oh, this is totally taking a different direction than I planned. I have to let go of my baby. I have to let go of I should and planned and wanted it to be and know that there will be a time for that. But this is what's presenting itself. And it's interesting because now this is what I need. It's my medicine. 
And it's what a lot of people have been giving me feedback on is it's not just about the quick fix of let me listen to something and go to sleep. How am I practicing a ritual that helps me come back to myself before I do one of the most intimate things I can do in the entire day? And that is go to sleep. Mm. So Kristen, thinking about that little girl at her dad's house who was sleeping till the end every day or trying to, right? If you could go back in time and whisper some words of wisdom in her ear, what would you tell her? I would tell her, number one, don't worry about being right. Mm. And instead, focus on what you're learning. Wow. And number two, I would say, laugh more and rinse and repeat. Stop worrying about being right. Learn and laugh, rinse and repeat. That's all you need to know in life and you will be fine. Oh, I love that so much. Those are words for everybody to live by. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being here with us today. That wraps up our episode. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you shared our podcast with a friend, gave us a rating on iTunes, or posted it to your own social media. Please join us next time for Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life.